0: This is The Shift Podcast.
1: Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, David Zinn, the world's most famous chalk artist, is back on The Shift celebrating his new book, Chance Encounters. It's a fantastic book, by the way. You got to hear about it. We chat about the perception of public art, David's inspirations, and so much more. Also on the podcast, Handy Andy Barrar has the best gift list for dads for Father's Day, which I think gives Andy better gifts than his dad, but... It's good. Everything from smart barbecues to electric power power tools and so much more for dads. Plus, are you okay with cryptocurrencies, catfish, and what about hot dogs or is it wieners? It's all on the Shift Daily Podcast. We had a guest last month here on the Shift that uh, you seem to really take to. We shared some of his artwork at shiftheads.ca in the Facebook group. And it turns out david's in everybody knows your stuff (laughs) everybody's seen it somewhere they're like oh yeah i've seen that before everybody loves it that's kind of cool i thought it was neat i i I guess that you know i had always seen your stuff and thought it was really cool but i guess the more that that was affirmed and acknowledged by other people i found it cooler and cooler um do you get that often with your chalk art that you do that people are like oh yeah i've seen that
2: there is a a common phrase i hear when people run into me on the street locally which is are you the guy which is a hard oh, one because you don't know what kind of guy they're looking for. and, and Right.
1: I mean, you could be the satellite dish right. guy. You don't
2: want, yeah, you don't want to answer yes. To, or like, are you the guy with the chalk? Like, there's probably I'm other the guys with Could be anything. So, um, yeah, and it's a nice thing about not signing your work is you do end up with this this level of, of uncertainty as to how this came to be, uh, mm-hmm. which I like. In fact, one of the things I was most inspired by when I was a teenager, I actually have a TED talk about this, was a piece of graffiti found on the streets of Ann Arbor back in the 1980s, there was completely unsigned, completely mysterious, um, stencil of Mickey Mouse, but without his ears, hmm. which seemed really strange and surreal because, I mean, they make literal Mickey Mouse ears for people to wear to look like Mickey Mouse. So it's a strange thing to not include when you're painting Mickey Mouse. And yeah. it seemed like it might have some deep symbolism to it uh, that maybe we could discover the, the interpretation that this serious artist had. But the truth of it was, if you walk past this graffiti at night, there was a a double parking meter nearby. Oh, the and shadow. And the shadow of the parking meter cast by the street lamps it was in the same place every night, but it was only there at night. It gave the ears to the Mickey. And very few people know who did it. But the people who know hmm. have deep abiding affection and respect. I've met like five people who claim to have known the guy. Like, oh, yeah, that guy was fantastic. He was a great guy, but a lot of, but there's also beyond knowing who did it, which is still slightly in a mystery to me. um, There's this, the next level down, which is just having been one of the people who saw it regardless of knowing who did it, because I've met people Mm -hmm. now that I've done a whole Ted talk about like, yes, I saw the earless Mickey. I thought I was going insane too. I'm so glad I'm not nuts. We also, because they only existed for a few years before weather washed them away, even though they were paint. So there's this tiny community of people who are lucky enough to live in Ann Arbor during the 1980s, walk around at night and look at their feet while they walked and actually notice that shadow at the right place at the right time to have this experience and has nothing to do with the, the artist's name or fame or, you know, credibility on any other level. It was just a wonderfully weird experience that we got
1: Uh, today. I don't know if that'd work because people wouldn't, they'd be looking at their
2: phone, (laughs) but the, smaller group but you
1: do bring up the the word legacy right Mm -hmm. i used to think that legacy was having your name on a library right right? dole out the money get your name on the library and that was what legacy is and as i've learned through the course of time the sort of ripple effect that change is always happening declaration is always happening whether we mean to or not it's always happening Mm -hmm. as soon as you run a yellow light in your car uh, change has been affected no matter what so far down the line Mm -hmm. right of chance Um, you know, and, and then that always leads me to that, that piece where, well, what is luck? Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, luck is incredibly beautiful. And so much, some people will say, I don't believe in luck. And and for me, I would say that, you know, luck is just one of those things that comes with presence. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that luck, that presence and luck dance together, um, but luck is just more when we don't realize we're being present. So it's right. an incredibly beautiful experience that we talk about to sort of bump into the artwork of the Mickey to bump into these mm-hmm. situations and create that ripple effect that people are talking about whether they like or not. And, and I do have to turn that reflection back on you a little bit <laughs> and say, you know, this is, this is what you have now, whether you meant to or not, you know, your little creatures in chalk mm. that are designed um, like sluggo sweeping and um, mm-hmm. You know, those are very, very well known now, even if they don't know that it's David Zinn.
2: Right. Which is fine with me. Just the fact that they're out there. Uh, And I owe a debt of gratitude to what we often scorn about social media and the Internet, which admittedly has brought a lot of bad stuff into our lives. But, you know, if the Internet existed back when the Earless Mickey was on the streets of Ann Arbor, a lot more people would have gotten to see it. Maybe you might think that's a bad thing, but to my mind, you know, you get to share these things in the same kind of stumbling across it way as you get in real life. There's a sort of passive sharing to the internet, which I like, that you can just find this crazy thing and have no idea what it is, but say, hey, look at this crazy thing. And other random strangers will go, hey, yeah, that is a crazy thing. And it can create Mm -hmm. a ripple effect, like you say um and it's a good argument i think for i mean it works in real life and on the internet of putting art and creative gestures just randomly out into the world because it's more likely to happen when you stumble across it when you've taken the time to go to a museum and buy a ticket and stand in front of that art the chances that you're going to take that experience and tell other people hey go see that crazy thing it's there but it's not as likely Mm Because you would have to be so deeply struck by that one crazy thing of all the things that you saw that day to actually Mm -hmm. talk about afterwards. So I'm very much in favor of not just artists, but everybody just putting their own creative little spin on stuff in their daily lives. Because you're right. It has a ripple effect.
1: Isn't that um some? I don't want to say scavenger hunt, but that's sort of incidental. When it comes mm-hmm. to the radio, I call them grenade <laughs> grenades, right? Uh, grenade jokes or or uh, you know uh, little metaphors or or whatever that we toss out there. You sort of pull the pin, you toss it on radio. Mm-hmm. you toss it in the listener's lap mm-hmm. and they might not get it right away. It might take <laughs> five minutes, ten minutes, but then all of a sudden they go, oh, yeah, right? Yeah. And um I imagine in artwork like you can have a little bit of that that you just leave them lying about for people to mm-hmm. to to find, right? And that to me is really cool. Um and I think that they try to force that. I know that here in Calgary where I broadcast from, they've done art installations which is really there's some really fantastic ones and there are some absolutely dreadful <laughs> ones, but it's like when politicians get involved, right. they've got to spend a million dollars and then in calgary if you've ever heard of the big blue ring it's this ring i
2: have heard of the big blue ring yes
1: except they they put (laughs) that's really terrible that you've heard of it um the notion of it um it's on a bridge in the middle of Mm -hmm. nowhere like it it makes no sense i love art Mm -hmm. i grew up in the theater i love writing i love the symbolism i love all the things i don't think anybody even is like okay (laughs) that's really what it's boiled down to the best thing about the big blue ring is the twitter account that has Um, come from it okay um um, take it for what it is but i mean when it's when it's authentic i don't find that authentic the fact that politicians are placing these things when it's authentic from an artist though oh yeah that's pretty cool stuff i mean that's kind of where the magic is right if you can't discover i mean discovery is one of the most beautiful words in the english language
2: And luckily, in defense of big permanent art installations, even though that's not something I mess around with, the nice thing, since you already mentioned change, is that the things that stay there and are maybe controversial or just annoying when they're first installed, and be like, why did we waste money on this? They might not change, but the people experiencing it do. We've had a similar controversy over a, a fountain they put in front of City Hall in Ann Arbor, and it was done by a very famous non-local artist. So that was one thing people got very upset about. That, like, that yeah, I was, why did you get a guy from a out of bit. town? Um, yeah. And, of course, everyone was talking about how much it cost. And it had, unfortunately, a complication that it was trying to be, and some would say succeeding to be, an environmentally considered piece of art. Because it was a fountain that ran off of a reservoir of rainwater that collects underneath that building. So a lot of the coolness is just not known because it's, you have mm-hmm. to know about this incredibly elaborate system they built to collect the rainwater and, and store it. So you're not using resources. But that means that if that reservoir isn't full of rain, it's just a dead fountain. Right. And almost immediately after they installed it, <laughs> we had a long drought and be like, what, what's up with the dead fountain? How much did that cost? And so there's right. a lot of people, they call it the emery board because it just kind of sticks up. Like a stick, like a popsicle <laughs> stick coming out of the ground. File your toenails, um, like. But it, and so it's been getting a lot of ridicule over the years. But the thing well, I give pause to is there are children who play in that fountain. It's designed so that you could actually splash around in it. And so these kids who are maybe three years old now, they're not going to have any memory of this thing being installed and people talking about how much it costs. And how, no, they will have a childhood memory of what to them was a huge, awesome thing that they were allowed to play in. So it's going to transform over time, even though it will not change. Mm-hmm. Just because
1: that's see that you okay. I that's cool. I mean, I get that, but whose responsibility is that? Because there there's um, at one of the malls here, they they took a pump jack, like an oil pump jack, because mm-hmm. I mean it's Alberta, so lots of energy and, yeah. and and oil and stuff. And so they they took a pump jack, and what they did was they filled all these pipes with purple water. <laughs> And as the pump jack worked, it pumped the water through the pipes and became sort of this animated art mm-hmm. thing. And of course, all the kids love it. You walk through the mall, this thing's moving and it's moving the water around. That explains it. Now, if they hadn't shown the water <laughs> going through the pipes, it would mm-hmm. have been just a pump jack in the middle of the thing if they had hidden that part. Right. So it does beg the question, you know, is that a failure on the artist to not truly find a way to share the the piping the history of the thing creatively um is it just short-sighted is just an oversight um Mm -hmm. are we supposed to somehow get it should there be a placard like at what point do we have to at least not assume that everybody's going to do all the research and dig into it and actually give them i i better with 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 radio than i am obviously with art so let me translate that to radio so i can i can speak all i want to speak I can say anything that I want to say, but if I don't speak into your listening and, and mm-hmm. everyone who's here, then I might as well just be talking at the wall. Mm-hmm. I have to give people the opportunity to participate with me, to listen to me. And I would imagine that an artist still needs to give you the opportunity to understand somehow, maybe not right. so you know blatantly that, you know, once upon a time <laughs> there was
2: rainwater, right.
1: But at the same time, don't do, is that the artist's responsibility? Well, it's
2: a tricky balance. Um, And interesting you bring that up because in the case of that fountain and the design of the building itself, in retrospect, I'm definitely in the camp that believes they should have done much more to help us understand. Because when I talked to Mm -hmm. someone involved with it and they told me how many cool things, you know, a rooftop greenery that Mm -hmm. and the way the, the downspouts are created is all meticulously done for a very cool purpose, which none of us know about. So in that case, yeah. yes, I think more outreach would really be a good idea. But that's in part because it's meant to be kind of an educational slash artistic installation. Yeah. When it comes to pure art, I have a potentially controversial point of view on that, that I'm not sure artists are the best people to handle the message in their art. Hmm. Because they often, well, there's a couple reasons for that. Um, one is that if you look at some of the, the revered pieces of art, that are out there, like, um, I'll fail to think of titles, but famous orchestral pieces and, and ballet you know, productions that were created, when they were first presented, there were literal riots. People were furious about how incredibly inappropriate and wild and unhinged this art is. And now we get all dressed up and we sit quietly in rows in concert halls to listen to the exact same piece of art. Because mm-hmm. we've shifted so much, and I'm not entirely sure which version the artist would have preferred. Because chances mm-hmm. are, the artist was pretty excited about the riot, <laughs> and
1: well, yeah, and probably absolutely. not all
2: that excited about people sitting quietly and looking at the program. And oh, yes, it's, right. it's lovely. <laughs> yes. Um, hey, it was brought yeah. to you by Joe's <laughs> yes, very, yes, nice. very nice. And also, and I, I don't think I, I'm not. I don't want to risk getting the name of the the writer wrong but I believe the story is authentic, that there was a, a one of the famous playwrights, I think it might have been Brecht, but don't you know take that to the bank, um, put in his will a request to his brother to burn a folder. And the folder contained all of the stuff he'd written that he was deeply embarrassed by. And so he made his really? brother promise that he would burn it as soon as he was dead. And his brother didn't do that. Of course not. He instead published it. And it is the most famous work that he is known for. Yeah, which is, well, isn't that the case? Yeah. Well,
1: that's a humanity conversation, right? That right. we can all
2: we can dip it. Uh, well, dip and that, our toes in that, and that probably definitely for drives the idea home that artists aren't necessarily. First of all, artists aren't necessarily the good ones to tell us what their art means. Yeah, uh, well, and maybe that's we like camping, the best. David. Hmm?
1: Well, if we went camping, we would sit there, you know, in our lawn chairs at nighttime (laughs) and, you know, you would probably say, well, what do you hear? Mm, mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. And one person hears a loon and one person might hear a train and one person might hear a mosquito, Mm -hmm. you know. So there is that element of what, you know, what are you getting from this right right now? So, you know, it it is a fine line and you missed opportunities. And, and, you know, uh, I I guess it's not as black and white, I suppose. Yeah, it's a balance. But this, yeah. It is a balance and some things you're supposed to just you're just supposed to listen to. Like you said, symphonies right. and whatever. Right. I mean, even rock songs. I mean, you can listen to a rock song or even a, a singer songwriter love song. Oh, right. Someone yeah. might get the someone might hear the breakup line and yeah. someone might hear the I fell in love with you, at least I got to love you once line, <laughs> there, right?
2: There's a notorious list of songs that are played at proms and weddings that people use as their love song, which if you look at the lyrics are definitely not about love. I mean, yeah. off the top of my head, uh, this one goes out to the one I love, the R.A.M. song. The guy uh-huh. who wrote that is going bonkers because people love to request that as their anniversary. Like, anniversaries. I'm like, did you listen to this song? Yeah. This is the, about the one I left behind. That's the very next line. What's wrong with you? Well, yeah, right. Even that uh, one that was very popular a few years ago, the Hey Ya song is mm-hmm. outcast. Mm-hmm. Outcast. Yeah. Not, not about love. Not a happy song about love. I mean, there's something <laughs> in there about how relationships just don't work and how I just don't want to make this work. And yet people hear the chorus like, yeah, this is a great song. I'm going to dance it. This is my yeah. girlfriend.
1: <laughs> but, but, so, yeah. yeah, we're notoriously
2: bad at picking up on what artists have put down.
1: Or or we're, we're convenient. Right. And that could be a right. thing, too. Uh, David Zinn is a, a chalk artist, and and let's get down to uh, some of the things you've been up to. Not only, so not only does he not put his name on it, let, let me let me tease David a little bit. Not only does he not put his name on it, even though it's internet famous. He actually has a book will teach you how to do what he does, which seems like, the to me, the craziest, stupidest marketing error ever, but he will teach you how to do what he does, the uh, chalk art handbook. I will post that link at shifteds.ca, but there's a new book this year. We didn't get a chance to talk mm-hmm. about it. Uh, it's got the little green alien guy um, who's eating the manhole cover. looks like an Oreo cookie. It's called Chance Encounters, and so... Mm-hmm temporary street art you get into the temporary part i have a couple questions about the temporary part that um if you didn't hear our earlier chats it's on the podcast give it a search we continue our conversation with david zinn chalk artist he's from ann arbor michigan he's uh, famous on the internet around the world for his chalk art and he has a brand new book uh, that is coming uh, that is out now it's called chance encounters Temporary street art by David Zinn it has pictures it has stories and David Zinn is with us here it's the shift David tell me about this new book
2: oh uh, well it is the first collection of my art that is first of all widely published by a german publisher so hopefully it's very easy for people to get even outside the united states um, yeah, you can get on Amazon easily, yeah, by very, the way. Discovery oh, good. Thanks. Yeah. thanks. Yeah. Much better businessman than I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it also, I'm very grateful to the publisher for including not only the pictures uh, that I take of the things I draw, but also the captions that accompany those pictures when they're posted on social media. Because my only college-level degree is in creative writing. And the only good use I can really claim that I've gotten out of it is that when you post things on the internet, you can't just post a photograph. you got to have some words to go with it. You know, they call it clickbait sometimes, but it needs to be something. Uh, So I'm very pleased that the one edge I may have over some of the other chalk artists out there is that every picture has a story. It's only one sentence, and it might be the, the beginning, the middle, or the end, but it does have a story that goes with it. And so Chance Encounters includes those little snippets of stories, as well as uh, an essay at the beginning that explains everything about how I ended up doing this for a living um, based on a, a piece of a kid's homework that I found while I was walking around Ann Arbor when I was a college student. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: well, speaking of, take it full yeah. circle back to luck <laughs> yeah, um, and luck. presence. Yeah. Um, you know, luck and, and presence is a big part of walking with your head down mm-hmm. and seeing moss growing between two cracks and turning it into a, a handsome little booger of a, <laughs> of a chalk man. Um, so you, you've, we've seen these pictures online. So yeah. this book includes not only the pictures, but some of the story, whether it's short right. or long, some of the story of, of that little dude or do that yes.
2: that you've drawn? Exactly. Really? Yeah, okay. it's organized. In some cases, some parts are organized by character. So Sluggo has a whole section all to himself uh yeah, sluggo needs his own book he by definitely the way. needs his own book um and philomena the flying pig has her own section nadine who's a very recent friend that i've made during the pandemic uh she has a whole section for nadine actually does have her own book um it's a very small book that i made very small deliberately so i could afford to sell half of them and give away the other half oh, cool. um and it's sort of a, a byo storybook because I do have a caption that goes with each of these pictures when I draw them and when I post them. But for some reason during the pandemic, I, this may be a luck thing, maybe a guided luck thing. I started seeing, because I improvise each of these drawings, this same little mouse in a lot of different places wearing hmm. wearing a little blue dress. And so I called her Nadine, because I always use the first name that comes to mind. Um, And I found out later Nadine means hope. So maybe it was a little nudge from my subconscious considering what we were all going through during the lockdown. But when I needed a caption, the caption kind of came out as sounding like a a book title, you know, like Nadine and the audiophile Wombat or Nadine and the narrow path. Instead of being a sentence, it was just like a chapter title. And people started saying, "What, what book is this from? You tell me, you clearly took this from a book. So tell me the book and I'll go get the book, which I did not do because I'm making this up as I go along. And what's worried me about the people who ask me to write a children's book or say that I must, that's what they usually say um, yeah, by the you have book, to, man. is that I think the reason they're envisioning a really cool story is because they've already written that story in their own heads. So there's a, there's a definite risk that if I told them my story for this picture, they say, no, no, that's not the story. Tell the real story. Yeah. <laughs> no, tell the good story. And the good story is the one they made up. So I, the, I published The Untold Tales of Nadine deliberately with a blank page after every picture. So that first you get the picture, and then after the picture, you get to decide what's happening in the story. I love that. Um, so I've been hiding these in all the little free libraries around town. I've donated a Mm -hmm. bunch to the U of M hospital where they, they have a, a a group that takes stuff into hospital rooms for really bored patients. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've given them to community centers and places like that. And I've been amazed at some of the feedback I've gotten from not just kids, but kids and elderly people and middle age, just people drawing them, people writing them. Um, and it just makes me happy that we can have a collaborative project instead of everyone saying, mm-hmm. do this thing, do the story, do the story. You know, it's it's it. kind of an interesting dodge away from feeling like I got to do all the work.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to take you into account now, though. Mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful. I think it's perfect. I think the way you've created is absolutely perfect. But in the spirit <laughs> of all the things we've talked about, yeah. Um, what if that's your greatest work of art that you've never released <laughs> and you're the composer, right? so you're right
2: you're right no you that, don't know? that's a fair stab that's right
1: <laughs> it's more of a it's more of a smack on the back than a stab Like a, it's not really stabbing the conversation you. Like you make right. it sound like i'm <laughs> make you make you sound like i'm cutting you here um this is fantastic well I'll tell you what um i can i give one away
2: yeah absolutely
1: i'll, I'll pay for the shipping you pay for the book yeah sure let's See do it do. okay We'll yeah. do it at shiftheads.ca. We'll figure out the details here Pretty when cool. we're done, and um, and uh, we'll do that. The untold stories of Nadine, the cute little mouse, mm-hmm. um, in the brick wall on yeah. the cover, uh, which is great too. Now, on, on your, I, I want to shamelessly whore you out here for yeah. a second. On your store, I mean, you do have sort of the the, the, the printable, the prints, and mm-hmm. and all these different you know, things that, that you can get there. So Zinart.com, uh, go there and, and check it out. There's postcards, there's books, there's the 2022 calendar, which um, is probably half well, off by now.
2: Well, I've got, now, got the, and just this road. weekend I started making the 2023 available, so which I'm shocked people are thinking that far ahead, but apparently people do.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> not everybody's artsy, um, and they plan. They're they're planners. They use the other half of their brain. Yeah, apparently. So I did want to. I like. There's so much more that we can talk about here, um, with all of these things, and uh, so I'm going to have to just invite you to come back, David. Because sure, you know, there's so much more to be had. Because you know, you and I have uh, planned to talk about vandalism and yeah. and and that part and. <laughs> What happens, because we talked about, I mean, you you make it and it rains and it's mm-hmm. gone, but what happens when you make it and someone changes it, and how right. do you deal with that, right? Yeah. Um, I want to learn more. I didn't know you had this TED Talk, so I'm going to go listen oh, to that. Yeah. I've never heard that. So I want to know more about that. Okay. So, um, please come back. Let's do more of the stuffs.
2: Yeah, I'm always happy to talk to you.
1: Yeah, and keep uh, keep the conversation going about it. Close Encounters, uh, Temporary Street Art by David Zinn. Get some of the stories behind the pictures of uh, the characters that just randomly come. And I think there's more to be discovered. Mm-hmm. See what I did there uh, in the, um, <laughs> but in, in your presence to it, because there's a, there's a real belief system almost. Oh yeah. That's developed to the presence, the channeling. I think that we all can learn from, from a guy who's been able to sit down with it and just create and listen to what comes to you. Um, I've heard it described in many different ways and I'd love to hear what the shift heads say about it too, that, that notion that we think we have ideas but perhaps it's just a guardian angel leading mm-hmm. in our ear mm-hmm. right and so uh, i think there's there's more to be had there too i think all of that stuff is is pretty cool so Absolutely. if you're willing to join me oh, of course. i'd love to it's do always it
2: always a good conversation
1: cool uh ann arbor michigan he's the man who's uh who's bent over probably <laughs> doing the chalk as, yep. and i want it before we started david said this I've, I've never heard this before he's like it's all it's chalk season so well which i had never heard i'm about.
2: not as north as you but i am in the north so yeah if i'm going to get out the side and crawl on the ground it has to be at least a little bit above freezing yeah and right now it's safely above freezing for the next <laughs> the week. old bones do you wear knee pads because oh, i would have I've to gone through pad. like six different pairs of knee pads
1: Oh, there you go okay good <laughs> I love it uh, David Zinn get the new book chance encounters temporary street art by David Zinn and if you want to get in on it shiftheads.ca we'll figure out how we'll do it the untold tales of Nadine the little book where you get to write your own story David thanks so much man congratulations on the new book thanks thanks very um, much. yeah and we'll uh, we'll share that out yeah. and I look forward to chatting again soon yeah likewise
0: this is the shift podcast
1: Here to help you spoil the dads. I think we're changing his name from Handy Andy to Handsome Andy Barrar. Let's get it going. Disco Andy, Handsome Andy, AndyAndyMedia.com if you want to check it out. What's up, Andy?
3: That's like, it is still, in my opinion, the best theme music in radio right now. Like, nobody gets an <laughs> intro like that, Shane. It makes it just puts a smile to my face every time I hear it. So that matters
1: because when Andy was growing up and he was, you know, having the grandparents take care of him, uh, that was the theme song to Andy's favorite of all shows, And so he's a disco dancer at heart. That's the way it goes.
3: Yes, the movie was it's an old '80s movie called Disco Dancer, and every time I hear that, it takes me back to my grandparents' living room, where I would like walk around and sing the "I Am a Disco Dancer" song. So it's
1: so good. Thank you. I love it. Thank you.
3: I can't. I'll never. It just makes me so happy.
1: That's good. I love it. Well, you've already posted your video for everyone to see at shiftheads.ca. Go to handyandymedia.com and you can um, follow along with Andy's YouTube channel too. That would be super helpful. And share that one with your friends. So please go get on that. Where are we going here? Because you you wanted to provide some DIY things for pops.
3: Yeah. You know, there's always like these lists of like DIY gifts for dad. And I look at them and some some are good gifts. Some are bad. You know, I was like, you know what? I know dads. I know what dads think. I know the kind of products they would like to get on Father's Day. So I created the Handy Andy list of DIY gifts that you can get for your dad. So the first one we'll start off is, you know, dads who are like the grill master, and we always talk about this. I don't think you're a fan of this product, Shane, but Mm-mm. it's it's these smart thermometers that hook with your smartphone. So dads, if they're are manning the barbecue grill and there's a big party and he can't really mingle with everybody because they're good and bad. Yeah. But I think, I think for some dads who get stuck behind the grill because they have, the meat has to be perfect. This is a, and they're gadget and they're gadget inclined. This is a great, it's a, basically it's a meat thermometer. You, you put it in. It's a little thing that you put beside your barbecue. You can mount it to your barbecue as well. It's from a Weber. It's called their smart connect grill. And essentially what this does is allows you to manage the internal temperature from your smartphone. So you can pick at what temperature that you want your meat cooked or your guests, and you plug that into the phone. And once it hits that temperature, you get a push notification. So you could go, dads could go and grab a beer and mingle, and then their, their phone starts ringing, and then that's time to go and, and flip the burgers or or uh, serve the food. So that's a but, yeah. A, Good
1: gift Sorry, idea you mean the- step out you there. It is a great idea. The way you said it though, just a second ago, I could you distracted me because you said um, or how you want your guests cooked, <laughs> uh, which I was like, don't cook your guests. No, um, no, 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 it's not a good so idea. So this is fantastic, but it's also dreadful. But see, here's the thing: is that if it makes the food good, then do it, right? If it makes the food reliable, and so many people, all you want to do is have your friends over and get the steak medium rare. But yeah. lots of people don't know how to do that. For me, it's a bit of a gamble, and I've been—I love the barbecue. I love paying attention to it, and it's still a bit of a gamble because you don't really know the thickness and all the stuff, right? So, um, it, if it makes the food better, then absolutely use it. I think what I've learned from that, because you said that I don't like it, and I, you know, with the Tragers and all these other grills that are out there as well, that you can just preset on the Wi-Fi. They will automatically adjust temperature after two hours or whatever, like everything, right? Super fancy. They're amazing, and the Weber stuff is amazing. Use it. I'm just not – I'm distinguishing the difference between the people who craft the fire, and build it that way because there are a lot of people that will cook in open wood or in a wood uh, forno, uh, those kinds of things. And there is a magical art to crafting fire. And so here's what I've learned uh, in all this, thanks to you, is that it's okay to cook with all these technology tools to make it be better. That That's great because you're going to make people happy and we all want everyone to be happy. Let's just also celebrate those people that create the heat, create the fire, and that's what they do. Um, as still being amazing. I just, I don't ever want to diminish those folks cause I don't think we can lose that art either. That's a no. And You thing.
3: you know what I like to do with these is like, you always have that person in your family who's like, I'm the grill master. You want medium rare. I get you a medium rare steak. So I'm like, all right, let's test, let's test your grilling. And so we use that. And so I'm like, your job is to hit it at this internal temperature. And I, I won't, t- I won't show you what's going on, on the phone, but you tell me when it's ready. And, um, it's a very interesting it can make barbecuing fun if you want to like bring the lab experiment to to grilling but uh you know it's a it's one of those gifts for any dad that's really into the grill uh that they would probably appreciate or maybe they might take offense to it <laughs> i guess it depends on what kind of dad uh you give it to mm-hmm. well my dad used to always
1: say how do you how many how many whiskeys do you want your steak done kind of thing right like Do you want your steak done with one whiskey or two whiskeys or three, which was sort of the rare, medium rare, well done. And usually three whiskeys meant like very well done because the distraction level at that point is very, very high. Same thing with hamburgers. Oh, these hamburgers are pretty well done. They're not well done. They're just well whiskied, right? So that also happens with the distractions of a couple of cocktails when you're barbecuing. So these tools, you know, might save some, some domestic disputes over, Burgers and such,
3: absolutely. Um, so you're saving second, marriages really is what you're doing here, Andy. You're well, saving hey, that's, marriages. That, that's that's why I, that's my purpose in life, Shane. <laughs> Doctor Andy, through, through yeah. DIY and helping to save people and and get them in yep. the good books. Um, <laughs> So so the second gift idea, and this is actually really important because you're seeing a lot of municipalities now ban gas-powered yard tools. Everything is going to electric. You know, you you hear about this all the time. People get annoyed about leaf blowers first thing in the morning that are gas-powered. Well, a good gift is really to get your dad into these new um, battery-powered power tools because they're not just your typical power tools like your drill, but the same battery can now be used for a leaf blower for a lawnmower. And so the, the 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 brand that I have adopted is DeWalt. They have what's called the FlexVolt line of power tools. And the great thing about it, and if your dad has these batteries, you can then just each year buy him the bare tool without the battery and you save a lot of money because these battery powered power tools, the battery is the biggest cost. It's not the tool. So once he your dad has like one or two of these batteries, each Father's Day, you can then buy him a new tool or you could be sneaky like me and i'm like well what tool do i need and then father's day comes around and i'm like dad i'm getting you a hedge trimmer and not only that i'm going to test it out before i give it to you to make sure it meets your high quality standards and so that's i hope he's not listening but he's getting a battery-powered hedge trimmer from dewalt uh, on father's day that's
1: what that's what you need that's very good that's very funny it's very it's very funny
3: um can I, I? And in that
1: one, you know what I learned is that stick to big brand names.
3: Yes. Uh, I, don't go, You had that problem, right?
1: I had that problem because um, I had a whole set, and then technology changed, and they changed the batteries. And when you stick with the biggies, there's usually they sell enough of them that they take care of some sort of attrition succession thing with some of those old batteries. At least there's a program usually to get more um, to get involved with that, like to fix it. And my batteries were, they were done. Like I can't use the tools, my whole tool set because of that fact. So yeah, stick with the biggies. Don't go, uh, at least in my suggestion is don't go with some no name cheapo brand because once those batteries go, finding batteries is the hard part.
3: Yeah, so DeWalt, Milwaukee, and even Ryobi. Uh, those are trusted brands that have really invested a lot. It's just like how we saw with vacuums, you know. You, you cannot get corded vacuums anymore. And what you're seeing with the, the tool industry is ever-going battery powered. And so if you go to shiftheads.ca, you could actually see me use these assortment of DeWalt tools with the same battery. You know, a track saw, a miter saw, a table saw and even battery powered sander and and I this is like this video is way in the beginning of covid I got some plywood on craigslist and I uh, started making all these tables and stuff you know just try to keep myself busy and these I'm telling you these battery powered power tools they are fun to use so if you have a DIY inclined dad they will love it but it's important to make sure what tools he already has if he has dewalt tools get him the new batteries. If he's got Milwaukee, you can get him those ones, but he will really appreciate it. And you'll appreciate it too, because you can then borrow tools from your dad. (laughs) It keeps coming back to that point, doesn't it? (laughs) Well, it's because I had this, I bought a, I bought a battery powered leaf blower and my dad was like, why'd you buy that? You could borrow my quartered one. And the day he used it, Shane, I have not seen it. It's still in his shed. He loves it so much. I, I couldn't take it out of him. And that's when I got the idea. I'm like, I'm going to buy my dad all the tools that I need, and then I'm going to borrow it from him. And rather than him borrowing it from me, you know, the tables have turned. And I don't know if that's a sneaky <laughs> little Father's Day thing I do, but we both win at the end.
1: ChippedHeads.ca is a great place to go watch Handy Andy and his new DIY videos that are there for Father's Day. If you missed our conversation about that, it will be on the podcast. Next in our hit list here Andy is technology cuz you do like the gadgets and the TikToks.
3: Yeah, so TikTok is starting to realize that you know they they created a really really good app. So good people are absolutely addicted to it. And so now they're actually putting in new features to set time limits for people can personally set time limits because they're so addicted to TikTok. Now you can set that I only want to have one hour of TikTok per day, and then it will force you to take a break. It will also give you a little report card, a breakdown of how many times you've opened up TikTok and your usage, both in daytime and nighttime. And, you know, I guess you could say that, oh, they really care about their users, but they're kind of forced to do this, Shane, because the actual platforms ios and android are starting to implement these services as well so they wanted to get on in front of it so that it wasn't apple blocking you from tiktok tiktok wants to control that whole messaging and so they're putting these new features in but you gotta wonder are the kids really going to use this will even adults use this even though they have the ability to set these uh time limits on their use
1: It's that's different that they're doing it themselves versus, like you said, the filters that are on the phone. So that's, I, makes me suspicious actually, because it's so good.
3: Yes, well, they like, like I said, and Shane, you're on TikTok, right? I know you're on TikTok because. Well, I'm there. I don't post anything.
1: I know, but you text me once because,
3: yeah, you know that I, I like jump rope and I make a lot of jump rope videos. And I remember you Mm -hmm. texting me and you're like, Andy, you got to get on TikTok. And and we never really talked about it, but I was on TikTok. I joined it and it realized that I like to watch jump rope videos. And I kid you not, Shane, there'd be I'd be just sitting in bed for hours. And the way they designed it, they never give you a break. They'll show you a mm-hmm. video and then boom, the next video, and boom. And it was just like these little like digital, it was like digital crack to me. Like little dopamine hits nonstop and Within a week, I had to delete it. I could not stop watching people oh, jumping funny. rope. And it was feeding the beast. And I was the beast getting fed. And so, yeah, I was on TikTok for at least one week. And I'm I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I couldn't handle it. So I had to just leave altogether and go cold turkey.
1: <laughs> handle. It's like a drug.
3: Um. It, <laughs> I kid you that's not, funny. man.
1: What? No, that's good. That's good. I um, I uh, I'm glad. I still think you get a massive following on TikTok. It's where everybody is now. So, um, I think that would be a good thing for you. You're just gonna have, have a little self-discipline there, Andy. Um, I know. Now, a, you're yeah. well You're what?
3: So I don't know what to say about that. i, I yeah. uh, Clearly, I don't not have self-discipline where I have yeah. to get rid of it. I loved it too much. It was. It was too good of a, too much of a good thing, Shane. How else are you going to see Ryan walk through the frame with his new new sneakers? I know there's and there's a lot of creative TikTokers, but then you know, it, and you see this in tech. You have the imitators and the innovators. Someone will innovate, yeah. and then everybody jumps on that bandwagon. Yep. So, that's a very big pervasive culture in TikTok, and um, I, I. I Part of me wants to go into it, but I actually left every jump rope group that I was like involved in and Facebook and everything. It was me and me and this guy David in Chicago, we had like a jump rope beef where we were posting videos and trying to learn moves, like beat each other it was it was getting really competitive, so I, I had to, <laughs> to leave. <laughs>
1: That's so good. Fantastic. All right. HandyAndyMedia.com, if you want to go and check out his his skippering uh, videos, you can do that there too. Now, technology and cords. We chatted about it a couple of days ago. Uh, There's been some EU movement on what cords will be standardized. Is that the pressure here? Are we going to see some movement and so we don't have 18 bags of cords everywhere we travel?
3: Yeah, and that's happening in the European Union right now. They're going to be implementing and they want it done as early as fall of 2024. And the big question is, what will Apple do? Because Apple has been the lone holdout. They're still using their lightning cable, which, by the way, when Apple came out with the lightning cable, we have to give Apple credit where credit is due. At that time, it was like micro USB. And Apple come up with the lightning cable and they're like, it's reversible. It doesn't matter what way you put it in. And now we have USB-C, which copies elements of that. But what we really need is just to have one cord. So if your phone's dying, you can ask your friend, do you have a cord? And you don't have to ask. Do you have an Android or do you have an Apple uh, lightning cord? One cord, that would make life so much easier. The question is, Apple obviously doesn't want to do this. They say it stifles innovation. Um, They obviously get a lot of royalties with the lightning cable. So we'll have to see with the next iPhone if they will finally embrace USB-C or not with this pressure that's happening in Europe cool stuff. Uh, is it going to happen?
1: Do you think so? I mean, for me, we t- when we chatted about this, I I said the, you know, the bag of cords I carry, my headphones are all USB-C, my Apple stuff is not, and then you've got the micro USB, the tiny little one. Yeah. I mean, is it going to be a dongle situation that they do with this or are they going to actually do it?
3: I think it, I think they I know they're testing it. They're testing iPhones with USB-C, so I really do think it happens. They're already using USB-C on MacBooks, so it's just like you know, like what the thing about USB-C? It can power your device. You could use it as your power cord and to transfer files. It, it's it's good. It's been around for seven years, and you just like I just imagine a world where there's just one cable, and you it to charge your laptop, your phone, your tablet. You just need to find somebody with a cable, you know, that, that would be nice rather than all these different cables and all the clutter Isn't that, that we have to collect.
1: Well, was, people wander around kind of like zombies going, do you have a charging card for whatever, whatever, smart pubs and smart restaurants keep uh, extra ones around behind the bar, yep. right? It's a great way to, uh, to do that. And I had a conversation with a bar owner, what they were doing is they were all excited because the bar owner was very, very old. And he was like, we're going to put in charging stations, right? So he's putting in USB charging stations. And then one of his bartenders walked up with a USB-C Android phone and said, yeah, but you're putting all these in now. You're probably a few years late there, bubs. But what about uh, this is what everybody's charging with now? And then he's like, we've got to put those in too. And then someone else came up with the the lightning cord, which you can use USB-C as your power source or USB. So... It's, uh, it's uh, anyway, the poor guy, he was very confused. <laughs> that's
3: what it was, like we all are. One cable, that's that's the dream. That's the dream, that's one dream. cable. Well, we, we
1: couldn't figure it out with VHS and Beta, so I don't know why we think we'll figure it out now. HandyAndyMedia.com, check out Andy Barrar check out the DIY Father's Day. Tables look fantastic, by the way. Thanks for being here, bud.
3: No, thanks for saying.
0: This is the Shift podcast.
1: It is time for us to do Are you okay with? Are you Are you, Are you... Are you... Okay. 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 Are you okay with? The idea is quite simple. We have some topics, some conversation here. We want to get your thoughts on it. 877-399-9898. Are you okay with cryptocurrencies?
0: uh i'm okay with them like a few years ago where if you had invested in them early you could sell them and make millions of dollars uh i'm not really sure it's something i'm gonna get into unless it becomes like a necessity which it might i I don't know but i i'm fine with money i think money as is is all right right now i don't need crypto you know i'm not a crypto bro
1: Crypto, bro. Okay, so cryptocurrency, uh, there's one, there's currencies that are owned by people and companies. I mean, that's basically somebody owns the currency. That to me seems shady. There's the publicly, you know, blockchain kind where there's all kinds of checks and balances and nobody owns it, i.e., Bitcoin. So the values, though, on this based on demand have gone really, really high, $59,000, $60,000 for one Bitcoin. Now you can buy, you can buy more than that, $84,000 is really the peak November 8th, 2021 of Bitcoin for one Bitcoin. Now there's Satoshi's, which are the fragments like the pennies to the Bitcoin being the dollar, if you will, um, there, and the value has gone way, way down, but it's imaginary. like It's not really a thing. And the thing about money was is that money is also imaginary. It's not really a thing, except you can hold it in your hand, and you can actually give it to somebody they consider it to be valuable as well. Therefore, money has a value when you trade it. Cryptocurrency doesn't really have that tactile thing. You walk into a car store maybe and use your cryptocurrency to go and buy yourself some stuff. But Bitcoin and other crypto coins around the world are having a very difficult time right now.
0: Cryptocurrency continues its downward spiral with a market value falling below 1 trillion US dollars for the first time since January 2021. Now, the market peaked at 2.9 trillion. That was back in November 2021, but has lost 41 trillion in value in the last two months alone. Now, investors are ditching riskier assets in the face of high inflation and fears that interest rate increases by central banks will hamper growth.
1: So that doesn't that smells like there that sounds like smart people money talk for what the heck is going on. But you know, with such drastic drops, people are looking for more secure ways to protect their money. So eighty thousand dollars US down to twenty three thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars US, it's a ton. Smaller coin ether fell fifteen percent as well. Inflation is trickier. People are doubtful of where their money's gonna go. Are you okay with crypto, yo? Um, I was gonna buy some crypto. I thought, oh, maybe yeah. I'll we'll give it a go. And I, I didn't. I decided against it. But I also would have hedged my bet that crypto during a wartime would have been more popular, I thought, because then it's not as traceable. But it turns out people want to go into the
0: more tactile yeah. yeah. The tactile uh, things. I think another problem that crypto is having is that there isn't really a lot of maybe authority is the word I'm looking for or um, tactile legitimacy. You know, you can't walk into a branch of crypto and talk to someone online, talk to someone in person to help you understand it. You have to do it online, and the scams are everywhere. I just seconds ago, refresh Twitter as I've been doing all night for the AB storm hashtag, just to see if there's any big developments. Right. And do you want to know the first thing on the hashtag is this from cryptoschool.com, how to read crypto charts, hashtag AB storm, right? Like it's everywhere. You, it, they're taking advantage of every hashtag, every inch of the internet they can to get you to buy this stuff. I'm not saying everybody, there are some legitimate Bitcoin or um cryptos out there. But as long as this is how crypto is presented online, I'm out. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I don't need it. Well, that,
1: no. to your point, there's an article that came out just yesterday. Um, remember the what's his name Scaramucci, the guy? He was like the press secretary, oh. and then he's like just this media everywhere yeah, he can do right I now. Do you remember that? He guy. has. He's quoted saying uh, Bitcoin, uh, cryptos could rise to a hundred thousand dollars. Again. Now, maybe it will. Maybe it'll go up again. Maybe I'm not an yet. expert. right? Me. Um The demand might change. I think it's access to the dollars. It's just that mm-hmm. simple. I mean, when you take a $10 bill to the store, nobody questions it. They give you the thing. And until you can use your cryptocurrencies just actively in your day, yeah. some places accept them, but lots of places don't. And once you can accept it, access, I mean, it's access to product and always all the things, then I think more people will do it. But if you're not completely tech savvy and know how to move the money around, you know, you hear those stories about these people that have lost their wallet, their digital wallet, and it was worth, you know, $30,000 back then, but now it was worth a 200 million or some crazy number. And they, it ended up in a dump. They've been searching forever in the dump, trying to find their wallet, right? Like you, once you lock out your key, you cannot get it back, which to your point about like the, the tactile be able to go there. Go To the bank and say, Hey, what's can I get reset the password on my credit card? You can do that. So, I don't think it's gonna work, yeah.
0: Not for at not least it's not everybody. there yet in its yeah, current form, it's not yet.
1: there yet. But there's a lot of people that have made a ton of money on it, and good for them. I just, uh, a lot of people have said crypto buying into any crypto is like gambling, but so is the stock market. That's what it looks and like to many man, people nope. buy our RSPs R- 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 and mutual funds into group funds. That is based on the stock market, and that's basically gambling anyway. So we live in a gambling world. We do in every aspect, including our finances. I think that's what we need to accept. And if crypto is your thing, then uh, give her because it's down since last year, 40.29% since this time last year as well. Are you okay with catfish?
0: Wait, are you talking about like dating apps, catfishing? No, no, actual fish, actual catfish. Uh, blackened Cajun blackfish is top tier. I love catfish; it's delicious. Had I don't it. have it often. Never had it. It's very flavorful. Uh, it's a white fish, and it, it tastes best with like the Louisiana barbecue spices. Right, like it just put all in that together, and you've got. A fish that tastes a little bit more exciting than, you know, just a plate of salmon. But I, I like it. I think it's good. Hmm. Ryan says they're aggressively ugly, but they taste They like- are. They are. The whiskers and all are that. Are they ugly Except like a pike? Because pike, pike are very ugly. Ooh. Well, you've got, uh, here's a great Canadian example is Muddy the Mudcat in, uh, oh, Dunville. in Dunville, Ontario. Um, I remember that is my favorite statue in the world. I wonder if Muddy is still there. He is still there. Okay, excellent. Yeah, so just go to Dunville, Ontario, and look at that statue, and you'll know that they are some pretty disgusting-looking creatures. Taste tastes good, though.
1: <laughs> it's not a very nice thing to say about the people of Dunville.
0: I was talking about the statue. It said nothing about Dunville. Nothing. Oh, sorry. Uh, a man in Indiana
1: went fishing for some catfish to barbecue. He managed Ooh. to catch a pretty impressive one, but he reeled in a lot more than just the catfish.
0: All right, this story is something else. An Indiana man finds something a little fishy after catching a catfish on the Ohio River. John Hoop was fishing near Lawrenceburg, Indiana over the weekend and caught a 20-pound catfish. He realized its stomach was huge and thought it was eggs, but then he pressed on the stomach and realized it was hard. When Hoop cut open the fish, he found a foam ball and an adult toy. He and friends immediately started laughing, but they had to cover his friend's three-year-old daughter's eyes. Huh, Huh? they found a huh. what in there? They found a sex toy in the oh. stomach of this catfish. Like, on. Oh. Like, the picture is hilarious. Just this guy fishing, holding this censored bar in his hands. It's hmm. pretty great.
1: Uh, that report was from WDRB. Richard Kessar says his daughter often keeps asking what was in the fish. It's definitely something that doesn't happen often. The original Facebook post has been shared over 15,000 times. Hmm. Well, I'm just going to back away. Uh, This is a coincidence. Are you okay with hot dogs?
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I could go for a hot dog right now.
1: Barbecued? Although I did boil a wiener the uh, the other uh, I made some boiled wieners and craft yep. dinner like kicking it old school like seven nice. year old style. I don't know why it would me crave it. It's been probably decades since I've done that, but I did. So I, I would say I'm a thumbs up. The barbecued hot dogs magical. There's something magical about a briquette barbecue at, yeah, at some sort of it. yeah some sort of uh, you know outdoor picnic somewhere at a park that makes the uh, camping the briquette barbecue is on the hot dogs mm, good
0: yeah. You're right. That is magical. I will say, though, there is a secret to boiling hot dogs. You can barbecue any hot dog and make any hot dog taste good on the barbecue. But if you pick the right hot dog to boil, it will be as good as a barbecued one. But you have to pick the right one. Just a top dog, like a a, a cheap, you know, pack of 20 hot dogs you can buy for, you know, five bucks or whatever. Those are not going to be good at boiled. But if you get the juicy jumbos the costco dogs or the you know the kirkland brand the bigger stuff and you boil that there is something special in there and all the juices that go in the water that is a that is something that i learned so if you have good hot dogs you can boil or barbecue them if you have cheap hot dogs barbecue them always
1: hmm. yeah have you ever had a footlong hot dog
0: i did i i I'm trying to remember, well, Calgary Stampede, the carnival grounds, obviously, but there was this hot dog restaurant or this burger place in Burlington, Ontario. I can't remember the name of it. Somebody listening right now, right now, May, it was across from the Roseland Bowling Alley. It was brown and it looked like a barnyard, like it looked like a barn building and it had a Miss Pac-Man table and footlong hot dogs. And that is the best hot dog I've ever had in my life, but I cannot remember the name of it.
1: Uh, Jan, I'll drive in, buddy, Port Alberni, B.C. Footlong yeah. hot dog, little bit toasted on the bun. Pretty yeah. good. Very mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Uh, drivers on a Pennsylvania highway were forced to look at a gargantuan amount of hot dogs last month. Faulty brakes caused a semi filled with wieners to crash and spill on the highway. Except it wasn't really hot dogs. It was pink goo.
2: Well, a truck carrying... 15,000 pounds
1: of hot dog filler crashed on Interstate 70, spilling its contents onto the roadway. That's right. Hot dog filler. I will never eat hot dogs again after seeing this. All right, I'm lying. I'm definitely going to eat them again. (laughs) I like that guy. (laughs) WUSA 9 is where that audio is from. So. I have a question about hot dogs. We'll wait one second. And finish this first. One image shows pink slime on the road with a tractor trailer nearby on the side of the highway. In a police report, authorities say the tractor trailer was traveling at high rate of speed on Interstate 170 westbound. Then the cab of the truck was impaled by several trees. Makes it sound like the trees came and tackled the truck. <laughs> uh, the law. Lo- the load inside became dislodged, causing fifteen thousand pounds of hot dog filler to catapult onto the roadway. <laughs> the way they describe it, it's not the driver's fault. Police say the driver identified as 30-year-old McKendie Lachaud, uh, along with a passenger, suffered minor injuries. The goo was cleaned up in just four hours.
0: Uh, that's gross. Um, It is disgusting looking. Like, it looks like a blob from a 1980s horror movie.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you put into a toaster? What do I... What? What do you put into what? a toaster? I put
0: bread which then gets toasted.
1: Right. So many people will say, what do you put in toaster? And people say toast. See, but bread is to toast as the wiener is to the hot dog. And I think we always say that wrong and we always get it wrong. Are you okay with hot dogs? Yes. But yet they were wieners, right? It's not hot dog filler. It was wiener filler. Hot dog is the result of the barbecued cooked dog. We can't be reckless with our wieners, man. We've got to make sure that our language is accurate.
0: Hmm. But it, it was goo that was going to go into a hot dog.
1: Uh-uh. It was going
0: into a wiener that would get cooked like your bread in a toaster. That would become a hot dog. Okay, so it's a wiener. Oh, gross. Okay. I don't know. Really. wiener goo is what I'm it saying. Was, <laughs> yes. Got <laughs> <Cut> onto it. <laughs> I don't uh, yeah I don't know if you'd be going there if you saw what this thing actually looked like on the highway yeah no I didn't look I didn't look on it, purpose actually did you watch uh, did you watch Chernobyl the TV show Chernobyl no and there's a scene in Chernobyl where they talk about the elephant's foot which is this giant pile of radioactive waste that is sitting still in the basement of the reactor of four plants in Chernobyl it's a giant blob of death. And the goo looked exactly like the elephant foot from Chernobyl. Like, really? Yeah. So I'm really glad that the the goo tastes great and looks fine within a hot dog. Uh,
1: yeah. Well, there we go. I feel better now that we have it all cleared up. Um, just so you know. Me too. Uh, you know, we we got to get these things. We got to get them right. Let's get one more. Are you okay with? recycling are you okay with recycling
0: yeah i like recycling it's uh i wish it was like more efficient than when we're told it is right like i wish when i actually separate everything and put it in the bins that all of that got recycled when in reality you know Only some of it does because I didn't rinse it properly or because it went to the wrong facility or, you know, I feel like we could do a better job of it. But at the same time, a lot of products are being made with recycled materials, even sneakers, which I think is great. Like I have a hockey jersey that's made with 100% recycled fabrics and it feels exactly Mm -hmm. the same, if not better than my other hockey jerseys. So I'm definitely okay with that.
1: well, lots of them, they don't need that material. They can't sell it anymore. So it just goes straight to the dump, right? So that that's one thing. But recycling, I, I caution because we often use recycling like, hey, look at me, I'm a recycler, when reusing is actually better. And recycling just means we have lots of leftover packaging, whatever, and it takes energy to recycle. So we can't have the mentality that recycling is the answer. We just can't. But is it better than tossing it? Absolutely. Sweden has found an interesting way to incentivize recycling. The Swedes have built a trash can with a loudspeaker that plays seductive messages. When people recycle, here are some of the more tame examples.
3: Oh, to see
0: Uh, the other ones are uh, pretty clear. (laughs) I'll put it that way.
1: Okay. Pedestrians who drop trash into one of two bins of uh, city's David Shelbourne's bridge are rewarded with extremely positive feedback from a very seductive female voice. She has many responses like, oh, right there. Yes. Come back soon and do that again. And Mmm, a bit more to the left next time. Featured among the program messages for recycling. A local Swedish paper said the sentences are part of the campaign's intention to get more people to talk about the dirtiest thing there is, littering. So please go ahead and feed the bins more rubbish. Yes, just like that. (laughs) That's weird. how come (laughs) I have to read them and you didn't want to play them like it's okay for me
0: to read them but it's not okay to hear the machine say it they were just overly sexual which is funny because in Sweden and in Europe they don't over sexualize everything it's just it doesn't freak them out right like they have it figured out we over sexualize everything in North America so you know in Sweden it's fine to have that out in a trash can but here I don't want to get fired I like my job so I took the, the high road and made you read them Thanks. That's good. Deferred the problem. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast.
1: Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.